Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Hat Track Heroes. Today we're continuing our chat with Simon from the UK, ex-cabin crew and also someone who did a load of different work around the world as a volunteer uh, in places like Dominican Republic, Zimbabwe, Lebanon and Iraq. In this episode we find out more from Simon about the intricacies of being a volunteer and we hope you can really take some good insight from what he has to say and perhaps embark on your own journey as a volunteer. These are quite full-on moments for you, especially mm. seeing children with AIDS must have been an absolute surreal kind of moment. But would you say this is what is the thing that stands out most to you about your visits to all these different places? Or could there be other things which, like in Iraq maybe, that you may have seen or... Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've told you the, the, the little story about um, taking those photos in the, the, the slum in Zimbabwe yeah. and the, the, the lady with the baby. Iraq was a funny trip because it was almost like I felt like, a, what, what do they call them? Um, war tourists or war tourism. What, no, there's a special word for it. Um, I, I can't remember, but it was, it was some sort of fad that people were going for. A lot of Chinese or, or uh, Japanese people were going, uh, were going over to war zones, and it was, it was a form of tourism, legitimately. But, <laughs> right, I okay. mean, for, for me, even, even though, yeah, we were handing out water from the backs of trucks and we are handing out medical supplies, targeting new hospitals, the bizarre stuff that happened to me in Iraq, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's, it's a moment in time where you... How can this be happening to little old me? I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little rundown. We we landed in Baghdad from Jordan um, about 8 or 9 a.m. on a little feeder flight plane, a UN plane. And we went to the UNHQ in Baghdad. And um, we were given our brief by the security expert. He said, watch out for shrapnel. He's very heavy on shrapnel. <laughs> and right. he said, if a car goes, if a, if a car wants you to pull over and, and he signals for you to pull over, what do you do? And Andy, Andy, one of our team, a bit younger than me, he said, you know, you pull over. He goes, no, you don't pull over. You keep driving. You never stop. And, uh, you know, we, we stayed with Mikey and we were walking up, up to the, one of the main streets in one of the quarters and, and he says, see what that is there? He goes, uh, and, and it was just, it looked like a building site surrounded by a building with some blackened charred windows. He goes, that was the restaurant where the Americans um, had the intel that Saddam might be, and they destroyed it with that smart bomb. And it was levelled. It, it was literally a building site apart from buildings around it. Uh, climbing on a tank on day two, the American soldiers were going down a, uh, a side street, and there was this, I think there was this tank on netting. I walked past it, and all I heard was, hey, you! I look round, what, what? Yeah, you, you, tall one. What, what, what have I done? I put my hands up because, no, you want a picture on the tank? Well, yeah. So we all climbed up on the tank and we had a picture. It, <laughs> and I said, how'd you keep calling? Hey, we got our ways. Uh, oh, right. Patrolling the streets in a Hummer. Um, and this is the key bit. We were sat, we, on day three or four, we were sat in a surgery building, a wing of a hospital. And uh, I, I come in, you know, in my shorts, my hair all over the place. And, um, and there are all these doctors and officials, and there's a U.S. Army major there who's a friend of my mate Mikey's. And we sat down in chair, and I thought, I better not say anything stupid. I'm just going to sit and just watch what goes on. And they were, and basically, what was happening was the the, the U.S. major, his name was Daniel. He was um, 
he had his laptop open and he was getting ideas from people about what we could do because he had a healthcare plan that had already worked elsewhere where he could re reform a whole GP network which would affect healthcare for up to a million people in one suburb. Oh, and I wow. thought, what am I doing? What is silly old me, drummer Simon, doing, who's a bit of a goofer, in this office with all these people? Until he goes, he threw open this question to everyone. And, you know, these people are ultra-intelligent. And he goes around the room and he says, anyone got any ideas? And I said, well, what about a, uh, a porter cabin? Yeah. And everyone stops. He looks at me and he goes, great idea. Huh, okay. I thought, hey, everyone, that was my idea. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, visiting, again, we took some more sports gear out. It was, um, yeah, it was just, it was just a, a zany trip. And also, actually, think about it. I, I just suddenly thought about something about Dominican Republic. Because the orphans were there as well, they were all looked after by this, I think it was a church setup that we went to. Mm. And um, if if people didn't come on these transform trips, they came from all over the Western world, by the way, and they would stay for a period of weeks and then a new team from America would come, then a new team from Holland would come, we were the Brits. But every every Thursday we had a day off yeah. and we would go down to a local beach, a different beach. Now, beaches in the Dominican Republic, I'm not joking, the ones I saw, oh my goodness. But we took 10 kids with us on the minibus as oh, well. Nice. And I got told, yeah, and I got told if we weren't there to do that, they would never normally in their lifetime see a beach. What? Despite living on a desert island yeah. because they couldn't afford to go to the beach. Yeah. An hour down the road, uh, they would, it would have to be extremely special for them to go and do that. And thinking, oh, gosh, and they were, they were... A lot of these kids, they were a delight. I mean, we do dance routines, I don't, just mm. stupid stuff, singing in the rain. Um, <laughs> it's amazing what they latch yeah. on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but all this stuff, I think my overriding thing that I have to say about all this, Nick, is you take your character wherever you are. And I yes. know that people who fly are generally quite fun to be with. Yeah. So it's not a case of having to feel extra specially dour or worthy or holier than that. It's, it literally is... You take yourself where you are and make it fun. Yeah, that's and it. And it, it will it will be fun. And yeah. the days will go quicker. Yeah, that's, I think <laughs> and you come back with a great tan. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in, in regards to your, your trips to these different places, how was the overall reception of the people that you that you came across? Were they curious? You know, they obviously said English, American, that kind of thing. But mm. were they curious as to who you actually were? Well, we blended in. I, I normally wore cow masks and disguises, and so I was an expert. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, people were interested. Uh, it's amazing how many people speak English. I mean, yeah. if you speak Spanish or French, that's very useful. Yeah, it, it, people people overall were really welcoming, wanted to find out a bit more about you, what's life like in England, and you tell them, and then you've got to be kind of, not cagey, but you've, you've kind of got to be um you you've got to weigh up if if i give too much information i'm going to sound like a a, a rich man invading your yeah, country yeah, and being and and being quasi disrespectful so you just gauge it and it, it's yeah. fine I, I i didn't you know apart from that guy who was legitimately upset with me for taking photos or, or you know and i got it and i, I was sorry mm. Didn't upset anyone else, to my knowledge, anyway. <laughs> I guess it's a matter of being street smart everywhere, even just as normal. Like, if you're going on a normal trip somewhere, it's still a matter of being street smart. Wherever exactly. You go. Yeah. That, that, it's funny. I don't know if this is going to be a question that you're, you're thinking of asking, but I, I remember writing something down, and it was something along the lines of, 
yeah, yeah, here, here it is. This, this might be might be help to people out there. Um, yeah, because you, you asked about what was your reception like. When you visit a country as an airline crew member, you're, it, you're, it's part of your job. Mm. And there's a safety there. There's a protocol. You're going to be looked after. You're going to go to a westernized hotel or most likely westernized. And there's a knowledge knowledge that it's, you're going to be away from home, but you've got an established safety net and parameters and yes. protocols. The, the key difference is when you visit another country independently, and I've actually done it on my own a few times to meet up with other people over there. Yeah. There is no such safety. You're on your own, and and actually your heart races a bit. You feel on the edge, mm. and a little bit out of your depth. Even okay. going through something simple as customs, you think, "Am I going to be?" A, you know, it's a bit like Midnight Express or something. Even though I'm not carrying drugs, or or <laughs> could you or could you be kidnapped on the street, or could you upset someone un, unwittingly? Yeah. But actually, locals, the, it's, it's the whole reception thing. Locals just want to know more about you. It's not like they come up to you and go <laughs> and prod you. And go, are you real? Are you, are you an experiment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you, you know, everyone's normal, but wherever you go, always normal as they can be. Yeah. And um, you you just adapt. But there is that there is that kind of slight feeling of being slightly on edge but when you're in the airlines they look after you but when you're out the airlines yeah. and you're on your own it's a it's a little bit of a rush actually yeah, but you know what you need to be on your edge i think otherwise you become too relaxed you become too lackadaisical and then that's when yeah. things can go wrong yeah and i remember that that story do you remember i was commenting on um oh what was the the chap who who was who was doing the thing that i commented on the other day and i, I love that interview you did with him oh, uh, Dan, uh, danny in uh, spain that's it, yeah, yeah. But you, I, yeah, exactly. And I think you'd mentioned a time. Was it? Was it in South America, Peru, maybe, or, or uh, Argentina, or Brazil? Maybe that was the. What was the story? Was it about? It was about. It was about you'd you'd you were going in a car. These people picked you up, and you were going in a car somewhere. And all these kids were coming up to the window, and oh, one of them had in, a um, like a tumor. Yeah, Bangladesh. 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 Oh, oh gosh. Honestly, it's I, those moments that just make you, just. As you said, with your experience down in Zimbabwe with the child, like mm. you honestly just think, "Wow, yeah, this is just yeah. a, sur a surreal moment that makes your mind just wonder what on earth have I been behaving like in my existence so far?" Yeah, and now I yeah. see this. I'm with you. I, f I find it really, really hard well, to I mean, turn away. This goes with my next question, actually. I was going to ask, what kind of challenges did you find in your experiences emotionally and physically? Emotionally, obviously, you've just, we've just mentioned now, but mm. uh, as a whole, was it, was it um, something to do with culture or the location you were, you were in at all? I think the unifying thing that I've always found difficult is dealing with poverty. Yeah. When I have so much or I had so much, for example, the first, when, when I went to Cuba, we had a support team. There were 45 cyclists right. on that, that all Brits. Um, right. And um, the medic on the team, he's a medic. I'm not sure whether he was a doctor or he was a trained first aider, but he gave the appearance of being like, a, he was probably a, a nurse practitioner of some kind, I don't know. But okay. he said the average wage in Cuba, this is going back to 99, so not a million years ago, no. but before my kids were born, which of course makes me ancient, of course. Um, hey, my, he my said, daughter was born in 97, so don't you worry. Oh, okay, we're all right then, we're all right. <laughs> and he, he said to me, Nick, he said to me, you know, he was talking Spanish, he goes, you know, the average wage in Cuba is $30 a month. And he said okay. some days, and he's being really on the level. His name was Francisco, and, and he said, 
I have to sometimes work out, yes, my rent might be a dollar a month, but I have to work out whether I can afford a chicken or, or eggs this month I see. or whatever. And, and he wasn't pulling my leg, mm. no pun intended with the chicken, but <laughs> he, but it struck me, how can, and he was eyeing up my, my Walkman one day and he was saying, you know, how much things like this cost? We could never have these. And so I just gave him my Walkman and, and as many clothes as I could manage to give to him because I thought, do you know what? I can easily replace all this stuff if I yeah. want back yeah, in the yeah. UK. It's yeah. no sweat, is it? And I've heard a lot of other people doing that kind of thing as well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what skin off our nose is it if, if, you, if you go back a little bit lighter? Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> and funny enough, the Dominican Republic, even though it was 20 odd years ago, I think, it was 20 years ago, I can't remember now, yeah. we'd been briefed on our, on our pre-departure that on return from all these countries, we would find the transition really hard as we went from super poor culture to super rich. Right. And they, there was a kind of syndrome attached to it. Um, and actually, I did experience that a little bit. It, it took a little bit of coming down for a few days and just getting used to the fact that you could pick up a phone or you could go to the fridge or you could just do normal stuff. Did it make you feel guilty? You know, obviously just coming <clears throat> from a place which was ultra poor and then mm. having that freedom to just you know, pick up that phone, like you say, and then, but still yeah. knowing... Oh my gosh, these people back here a day ago are still in the same predicament. Well, yeah. <laughs> I had a look online um, at the, the different organisations that you did work with, so Tier Fund and uh, so yeah. forth. Their majority of them, are, well, probably all of them, were, were Christian, Christianity kind of base. Uh, was this something mm. you looked for in particular? Is there any, any reason for this? Um, well, well, like I say, really, Nick, I just sort of end up with these things, these opportunities. And yes, I, I, I do go to church. Right. Um, I'm going to an Anglican one at the moment. Actually, okay. we're not going at the moment because of obvious reasons. But, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we've gone to sort of evangelical kind of churches over the years. Yep. And that's where I met Helen. Well, I've known Helen for years before that anyway. But, but it's where you get the opportunities come through and you, you'll find that a lot of Christian-based organisations, they're not the only ones who do it, but they're, they're, very, they're generally very good at outward-looking stuff like that. Yeah. And they've got um, partnerships going. And I mean, I know you, you, you generally find that the partnerships are, are there and um, there's this establish, establishments and there's... Um, yeah, the connection and so forth is Exactly, that, that's what I mean. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. They're, 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 I was never short of any opportunities to go and do stuff. It's not, you know, it's not like you will go and do it. I, I like I say, it was the suntan, but yeah. <laughs> it, it was just the opportunity. Like I say, the opportunism in me, and, and you know, keeping your ear to the ground. Oh, I wonder. Yeah, of course. Or, and I guess your when, your nature, like your feel good nature as well. I think mm. I think does give you like an upper hand in a sense to feel, you know what, I'm a happy person, let's go and share this happiness. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> that sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet, doesn't it? No, Gosh. I'm the same. Uh, I, mean, I've not, I mean, I've not, I can't claim to, to blow any trumpet in regards to going to do any volunteer work. I mean, I've just, mm. my, my way of, of helping at the moment is just by doing this um, podcast and recording But that's really stories. important. It's all yeah. part of it. You know, it's a bit like, I'll give you an analogy. Sorry, I cut in there. But no, that's fine. It, it, you know, you know when we get on the plane and we, we do our checks and we do this and we put yeah. the smiles on and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The funny thing I've always had with cabin crew is that, that, you know, or the whole job, it's a blooming bizarre job in the first place. 
and there's lots of things mixed up with it like where you get your identity from and 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 loads and loads of things but i zoomed out when i dispatched i suddenly realized oh gosh there's so much stuff i didn't know about the nature of actually how many people it takes to get that plane up in the air yeah, and so in many ways we're the ones who uh, you know on board take the glory for all the hard work that's done, that's done behind the scenes so in that way i think you know where this analogy is going with you yeah. so you're just as much you you are a key component in this you're you're like a stakeholder there project management oh there we are <laughs> <laughs> <I'll take that. laughs> but you're you're you like that there's just but you're a key component because without you they'd just be a bunch of stories that people relay to each other around a dinner table but yeah, now true. with the podcast they can go globally yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that was, as I mentioned earlier. That's the whole. That's the goal behind it. You know, mm. it's. I mean, I've, I've probably mentioned this story on the show before, but I'll, I'll just quickly go over again. It all started because of a, my first interview was uh, over a year ago now with a girl who I worked with, who was an ambassador in for a charity in Senegal, and uh, yeah. she was asking us, asking her friends for some money to donate to a school that they were building over there, mm. and. I just said, because I make some, some products and so forth um, here and I try and sell them. And I said to mm. her, look, I've got this concept. Can I donate from the product if I sell any? And she goes, yeah, cool. So I started selling and I, I sold a few to some crew. And I would tell them, this is for a charity in Senegal. And it, they do this, they do that. And they're like, oh, never heard of it. So boom, this is something here. If they don't yeah. know about this charity and their crew already, yeah. they fly to Senegal, but they still don't know. Then this obviously means that there's room here for exposure and sharing and and giving people knowledge of these whether they're small charities or bigger charities but if they're unknown right. you know what i mean have you been able to follow up on any of those projects in regards to the orphanage rebuilding and so forth like photos at least or hearing from people that are, are there still or yeah it's it's been really hard i mean i've kept in touch with mikey who organized the lebanon and iraq trips and so i keep in touch with him I keep in touch with a few of the friends who I've been on the trips with, but as far as keeping in touch with, with actually out there, I've got, I don't know if you, I think you will understand this. Can you imagine if you called, say hey, hi, it's me from years ago. He's died. Ah, oh. Yeah. And so there's something yeah. stupid that stops me from that because the likelihood yeah, of them not still being with us or, or even yeah. not operating, because I've tried to look up things online about some of the foundations and I can't find them anymore. Yeah. Having said that, the, the boy that I sponsored, Matteo in Kenya, that's via compassion and they are very much an ongoing concern. They have child sponsorship all around the world, India, Africa, all the continents, Yeah. Okay. apart, okay. apart from the Western ones. Yeah, right. Do you find that the skills that you experience and that you took from volunteering has a bearing on what you do now in regards to your work and so forth or with maybe even with your home life well yeah you, you know when you're growing up and your mum says eat it all there's children starving in africa yeah and yeah. you think <laughs> you, you look back and you think I, I know i know that you never stepped foot on a plane that ever went near africa but yeah you're yeah. just relying on bbc news footage but yeah she's right I, I think what it, what it's done is it's helped my worldview, and again, this is the, the the struggly thing that I have with the cabin crew thing is that I actually went to far more interesting places outside of the airlines than I ever did mm. when I was in the airlines. But that was just me. Bear in mind, I did a lot of short haul, so I wasn't likely to go to anywhere anywhere right, around, I see. Uh, yeah. fancy. Yeah. But yeah. I did some long haul. But even so, it was like the the places I ended up you you wouldn't go there for a holiday let's just say. yeah no that's it yeah um yeah. or you could go there for a holiday but, but it, it probably yeah. would exactly yeah. but yeah it's just it's helped my worldview to be honest Nick right uh, you you think I work with a heck of a lot of knowledgeable people 
but I, I work with a few opinionated people. Ah, uh, I see. And, yeah. you know, they say travel broadens the mind. Mm. Well, of course it does. Uh, yeah. it, it, but also exposure to those things that you wouldn't normally see also broadens your mind. So those experiences I've taken with me, and they're d even if day-to-day -day I, I don't reflect on them, they're still dormant inside they're me. They're still there, um, yeah. Something yeah, you can yeah. reflect and on at, at any given time if you need. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they, they will always colour your worldview. Mm, mm, yeah. So you can basically tell your children to, to eat all their food. Have you not seen the children in Africa and be actually honest about it? I'm looking at one of my children at the moment. Faith, do you listen to me? Don't know. Don't know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you are live on air. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to shove anything down their throats. That they'll, they'll work it out themselves. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Helen, Helen, my wife has has, has done a, a fair bit of travelling herself. Yeah, and experienced other cultures, and and you know they, they, they might suddenly decide just like me where something went like that. I need yeah. an adventure. Yeah, and they might suddenly decide, actually, sod it, I'm going to go to Nepal. Yeah. six years yeah <laughs> we just don't we just don't know we yeah, really really don't know so you know yeah is there something you'd want them to be involved in in regards to being a volunteer and going on the similar kind of journey as you i would like to think that they'd like to they'd be more interested in me a bit like me when i was in my mid-20s late 20s i suddenly mm. realized my mum and dad weren't just mum and dad but they started to be characters in their own right and they yeah. actually had real lives they weren't two-dimensional yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i'd like to think they, that, that they would ask me stuff and they probably won't but that they would they would go oh what did you do when you were my age well I was doing this I was doing that really yeah they ain't interested at this age none no, of them are they I mean the youngest is twelve and the oldest is eighteen okay yeah, and so then uh, um, yeah. but no I'm just I'm just two dimensional dad and stepdad yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> but little do they know that by night I wear a cape <laughs> my, and my pants on my head. <laughs> They don't need to know that. <laughs> no, they don't. I don't hope they'll never know that. Actually, what that are they conjured up from that? My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh god! You me. poor listeners. I tell you what. I'm really oh, sorry well. about all this. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's enjoyable. That's what we need. <laughs> oh my man! In regards to the children doing something like this, what if they yeah. were to go to a war-torn country? Would you put on father hat or encouragement hats like? Um, go and explore how do you think you'd I, be i think i'd do a bit of both yeah but honestly i laughed with mikey about a year ago i was chatting to him because we were talking about iraq i mean he was he lived there for a year i think it was he really okay. enjoyed it yeah um but uh i was only there for a few days in the big scheme of things but mm. the stuff i saw impacted me for but yeah, you know sure. for 20 15 20 years later yeah and i and i said to him you know what on earth were we doing there mikey our heads could have been on spikes mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I oh, know, mate, I know. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, we could be lackadaisical about it, but yeah. it, I think I think I would, I would like to think that I'd be careful, risk-averse, Dad, and you can't go here, but actually... Mm. <sighs> then they'd choose you the worst place possible. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Gosh, where, where do you go with it, Nick? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think, actually, you have to trust. And, you know, you've only got one life. Mm. And I think one of the key things that I I like to encourage people is that what sort of life is it without risk? Yeah. And so I don't think you're truly living unless you take some risk, no matter how yeah. small 
You know, no, risks in love, risks in yeah, but risks with your job. Risk. I mean, this is this is bizarre thing to come at this this stage this time. But you know, we were talking at the beginning of the conversation about how lockdown has forced people to think about things in different ways. So you know, with my drum teaching, yeah, I do that from the phone now. It's like wow, I should have thought of this ages ago. Mm. Uh, but yeah, risk. Um, I guess educated know. risk is more so what people, yeah what you yeah in, I guess tell your children. Yeah, I just be smart about it. Yeah, exactly. Not like I was. I just yeah, great. Let's do it. (laughs) Why haven't we gone yet? (laughs) Do you have any other sorts of experiences and um, things that you learnt from being a volunteer in these different places that that you're trying to instill into your children? You know, uh, parenthood. Gosh, you sound so old and boring. (laughs) You know. I wanted to be a rock star. Now look at me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I wanted to be in a boy I, band and look at me. Yeah. <laughs> you see, uh, um, I, I don't know. What would I instill in him? What, what would I want? Oh, gosh. Would it be uh, just to be an open-minded and accepting yeah. and uh, to appreciate De- things, to, just for example, maybe? Yeah, that, that's a great start. Uh, I think this 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 risk and and jumping and 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 doing and and trying new things would be would be a great one. I mean, yeah. If you were to look, for example, if you were to look at my career, my CV, mm. it would be boing 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 boing, and you're thinking, does this guy actually know what he wants to do? I still yeah. don't know what I want to do, but I'm doing something at the moment. I yeah, mean, my my, it. you enjoy <laughs> I've it. I've got this. Apparently, my my job title is asset strategy officer. And I and I've said to people, ask me what I do. They go, what do you do? I say, I have no idea, but I do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, I don't know what I do, but yeah. it seems to work. It's a bit like Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I make it up as I go along. <laughs> it seems to work. Oh goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but volunteering. If if there's anyone out there who's thinking about doing it, my advice to you is. Take the risk and jump. The more you do these things, the more you'll dare, the more you'll want to help. And like I've, I've bored you with already, it'll also be fun. Or it should be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you'll, you'll come back thinking, oh my gosh, I actually helped people. But you'll look back and think, actually, I learned a bit about myself about as yourself. well. Yeah, yeah. Great. If money or time was no object <laughs> and your children were of age... How would you spend it knowing what you've learnt in your time volunteering? Would it be on, on say, going and taking on board a huge project or would it be on the little things perhaps? Or something completely different? Well, the little things actually impact people more, don't they? Yeah. Here's a little stupid little story for you, but I like these silly little stories. Yeah, go for it. I, I, do you ever hear in your head, do, do you, you know you get these things these pangs or, or feelings that you should be doing something mm. or these little prompts you yep. could call them well i call them it's probably going to sound zany but sometimes it's the voice of god telling me to do something yeah. or and it won't even be simon you must do this do this go turn left down this it's nothing like that i felt that there was this guy that i should go and visit he ran a, a mobile repair shop in the center of um, bath and i just felt Go and get him a box of Maltesers, because he looks really, really sad. I'd had a conversation with him, and I just sensed that all was not quite well with him. Mm. You know when you ask someone, how you doing? They go, yeah, fine, and you know they're not fine Something, at all. Yeah, something's up. Because we all say that. I went down to Poundland. Mm. <laughs> I bought him a box of Maltesers, and I came back. I said, uh, I can't even remember his name now. But um, I said, there you go. And he goes, 
he looked at me, and he's younger than me, and he goes, oh, mate, he was about to cry. He goes, that's the nicest thing anyone has ever... I, th I was thinking, they come from Poundland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not too nice. But, yeah, but still. We, when you stop and invest in some people's lives, we, we, we actually had a real major heart-to-heart, -heart, and I've realised that you can get to a really deep level with people. But it's, it's actually quite surprising that you give people a little time and in counselling, I did a counselling course years ago and that's what spurred my wife on to become a counsellor. She's now CEO of a counselling charity because she <laughs> my influence, I'm afraid. <laughs> but counselling, there, there's a key part of it called attendance, which is actually just giving someone time. Right. And I think that's what we crave. And so in many ways, you know, I've gone through all this list of stuff that I've done, Nick, and it's just actually when you boil it down it's just an empty list it's a lot of bluster that could actually be better portrayed if i sat down with not just people i don't know but also with the people i do know like i've got responsibility in my family and instead of rushing around just actually give someone give one of my kids or give my wife time of day yeah and that is probably just as potent as going hey everyone look at me i've been to iraq which is great but actually Who's to say that I'm not doing just as much by giving of myself, of, of my time just closer being there to home? For people and so forth. The world is in such a fast motion. Yeah. You know, we, we just tend to, I guess, forget sometimes the important things. And, but you being able to actually acknowledge that it needs to be done is the first step, and that's important. Mm. What do you think is the best way for people to get involved? Well, now with, with, with the internet at our hands, on our phones, there's kind of no excuse. Uh, mm. you, just, you, could, you could type in anything in a subject line and come up with so many things. But I think more established charities and organisations are a good way to go to dip your foot in and actually even just to ask them for advice or to email for advice. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in talking to people. Um, and there's one thing cabin crew should be very good at. I mean, goodness me, I'm garrulous as you like, but uh, <laughs> I I struggle with this because on my team at work, I'm the kind of networker. I used to be rubbish at networking. I hated the word, but actually people say, oh, can you email me this so that I've got the scope of this project so that I can approach these contractors to do this survey? And I think, well, this is what I did. I just picked up the phone, yeah. asked them what they did normally. Tailor, tailor it to us, give us a quote, and um, then follow it up with them um, in writing by an email. Mm. And she didn't get that. She went, thanks. Mm. And it's not, why are people so... It's, it, it, is it that risky to pick up a phone? Ah, for us, for us lot who, who you know, have been in that forward-facing customer service or are in that forward-facing customer service industry, deal with so many people every day, more people than you can shake a stick at, more people than most interact with in a lifetime, yeah. then it, it's, it's natural. I'm no great shakes. I'm just just giving it. This is what happened to me. Yeah. I'm I'm no braver than anyone else. I'm probably more stupid actually. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but well, more risky, risky taking yeah. risks, I guess. And I I think it's just a case of do do a little bit of research. Talk to some people who've done it already. Yeah. Go and find out. Dip your foot in. Try something brief. It could be helping. I've also helped down a homeless shelter for a while. I've forgotten about that. But, it, you know, start locally if you want to. Yeah. Um, and and just, just take it. Just try something. Try anything. Mm. So, yeah, there's stuff on our doorstep. So it doesn't have to be just the grand stuff, uh, yeah. you know, like uh, all these countries all around the world. But I appreciate that, you know, with everyone who's listening, you do go out to a lot of countries all around the world. 
So, but but locally, if you if you can find something, there will always be something to do on your doorstep. Yeah. Finally, let's just say uh, five to ten words, some, <laughs> if you can, some words of wisdom. Oh gosh, you won't get much wisdom from me. No, go on then. Okay. All right. I'll I'll say it again. Research, risk, jump, dare, help, and fun. Six words. Okay. Well done. Thank you. Are you, are, are you a <laughs> that football, was hard. Are you a football fan? Uh, no, but I've got in the way of football matches. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. I was going to say like my football team. Their their um, uh, motto is to dare is to do, which is seen to be quite um, fitting. To dare is to do. Sorry, excuse me. And who's that, Nick? Tottenham. It's the Spurs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that oh, just reminds me of to the, uh, their, their motto, which has seemed a bit similar to what your your six words. Oh, yeah. I love that. Well, look, some very, very um, fitting words to finish off with, and honestly, a very informative and fun, and um, <laughs> very interesting um, chat with you, Simon. It's been um, enjoyable, that's for sure. Oh, uh, Nick, I've I've loved it. Thanks for having me on here. Thank you. Listen, it's the it's the reluctant air steward signing out. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for your time. <laughs> You're very well, Simon. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and it was a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much, Nick. You're very welcome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode, and we look forward to having you back again next time.